The following account is by Captain J. Albert Monroe of Battery D, 1st Rhode Island Light Artillery, from the book Forces of the Civil War, Antietam, by the editors of Time Life Books. We had an easy time until about 10 o'clock when General Gibbon rode up to me and said, Here, Captain, your men are good and fresh. General Hooker wants to see you. I thought it pretty cool, this reference to the fresh condition of the men, for they had had but little sleep for several nights, and they had been hard at work since early daylight, for after working the guns they were kept busy, replenishing the ammunition chests and that other necessary work. Besides, we were very short-handed, owing to heavy losses in previous actions. First directing Lieutenant Fisk to limber the pieces, I reported to General Hooker, whom I found at the point where a little while after he received the severe wound that incapacitated him for further service that day. Said he, Captain, you see that cornfield? The second one, I mean. Yes, sir. You see the one beyond that? Yes, sir. Well, I want you to go through the second one, into the plowed ground, and into the cornfield beyond if you can get there. Now go and look out for your support. You will find some infantry there to support you. The bullets were right thick when he gave me the order, for the position was an exposed one, just such as one would expect to find General Hooker in. On the right was the Hagerstown Turnpike, leading to Sharpsburg, running southerly and parallel with the line of vision. The Dunker Church was in plain sight, and down to that point our troops, apparently, had driven the enemy into or across the turnpike. As far as the church, the ground appeared to be a descending plain of cultivated land, beyond which it seemed undulating and uncertain in character. Over this space, the two lines had been putting forth all their energy since early light, and the ground was strewn with dead and wounded horses and men, clothing, knapsacks, canteens, muskets, and sidearms, broken and twisted in every imaginable manner. The blue and the gray were indiscriminately mingled, either motionless and lifeless, or dragging their bleeding forms along in search of some less exposed situation. And there were those whose lifeblood was fast or slowly ebbing away, with only strength sufficient to raise a supplicating arm for assistance or relief. The stretcher-bearers were straining every nerve to succor the helpless wounded, but it would have required a force in itself equal to a small army to have immediately removed them all, nor would their situation have been materially improved by removal, except that they would have been carried from the midst of the noise and excitement of the field, for the hospitals were crowded to repletion, and hundreds were waiting their turns for the care of the surgeons. Unless under great excitement, horses will not step on the bodies of men, either alive or dead, but when attached to a battery, they may go so close as to cause further injury to the wounded or mutilation to the dead by passing the wheels over them. So we picked our way carefully, avoiding running over the bodies strewn around on every hand and looking out for the wounded. At one point we were moving along quite briskly when a poor wounded fellow, clad in the dingy yellow, yellow the butternut as we called it, so common to the uniforms of the rebel soldiers, with a countenance expressive of all the terror of one who expected no consideration, raised himself on one elbow and cried out, Oh, don't run over me! I said as some of the men quickly, but carefully removed him aside, 
You shan't be hurt, my man. And an expression of relief and gratitude overspread his face that spoke more plainly and loudly than would have a thousand words of thanks. Captain J. Albert Monroe, Battery D, 1st Rhode Island Light Artillery.